I saw a couple people that I went to high school with this past week, and we were reminiscing about uh, old times. We were reminiscing. I, I sound like such an old man. Uh, reminiscing about our glory days. Now we were just talking about different memories and, and things that we had, different things that we had done. And I've got to tell you, uh, especially in light of, of some things that have happened this week on very public uh, stages, I am so, so, so incredibly thankful that I grew up in a time before smartphones were available, before everybody could record every stupid decision uh, that I made and then document it and throw it out online for everybody to watch it. Um, because I, I, still, I still make plenty of stupid uh, decisions now that people can, can video and throw out, but it's nothing compared to what I used to do. And I'm just so thankful that I, that I was in high school and in college in a time really before social media was really catching on. So, uh, like Facebook really became a thing right after I graduated college. It tells you how old I am. But I mean, really, it was still there just to pick people up and be like, hey, you're, you're cute, let's go out. Um, and, and I remember in college, people online journals were a thing. And so this, <laughs> this, this girl was... was uh, was somebody somebody that lived next to me wanted to date this girl and she had this online journal and he just stalked her journal just read for hours about her journal about who she liked what bands she liked things that she liked to go do and they were they were not a match at all but he just completely he just completely faked it and walked up to her did a little bit of research walked up to her and got a date out of that all because he stalked somebody but this was well before well before social media had had become a thing and i'm just so glad that that i i was able to grow up uh really before social media was a thing but social media it's it's a thing now that all americans have to have to worry about in fact it, in in light of the roseanne situation uh this week some commentators reached out to people who, who ex, whose expertise is public relations, and they said this, essentially everyone who has a social media account, everyone who has a social media account is now considered a public figure. Everyone who has a social media account is now considered a public figure. So that what you post, whether it be Facebook or, or Instagram, Twitter, whatever, whatever it may be, whatever you post now, is now in the public domain and can get you ultimately terminated from a, from a job. It can get you rejected from a school that you want to go to or an opportunity. Everything that you put out there is now in the public domain. And, and we saw that. We saw that this week. We saw just, just Roseanne, who had the, the most popular show on television this, this last spring. She tweeted something, and it, it was offensive, and a lot of people were upset, and it got her fired a day later. And, and not to be outdone, I mean, it's not just one side of the political equation because there, there are all kinds of people who are pointing out the hypocrisy of people who were upset with, with what Roseanne tweeted and then pointing out things that they had said or they had tweeted. And then a couple days later, it wasn't a tweet, but a, a commentator named Samantha B got up and said some things on her show. And then people were outraged as a result of that. And we live in an age of outrage and, and people are upset about everything but we've just seen on a grand scale what happens when people tweet things when people say things when people make choices we've seen that this past week 
on just a grand scale where everybody's upset. It doesn't matter where you lean or what your, what your ideal, ideological viewpoints are. Everybody's offended and everybody's upset. And it just happens to be different targets at who people are offended and upset about. And something we're going to look at today is this, that everything we say and everything we do reveals who we are. Everything we say and everything we do reveals the people that we are. And so the things that we say in an instant that are private, that we would never want published on Twitter, that we would only say to our closest friends, those things help define who we are as people, as well as the things that we would say publicly and want to be judged upon. The things that we do in a very public light that everybody can see, those things define us, but so do the choices that we make when nobody's watching and when we're all alone. Those choices define us just as much. And so in the course of all of our days, in the course of every single day, the words that we say and the things that we do and the thoughts that we think, all of those things define us and the Bible talks about about this idea and it gives all it, it gives all these these ideas the thoughts that we think the words that we say the things that we do it gives all of these things a classification that calls them fruit it calls them fruit and so if you look at all of our lives we all produce things and that is what the Bible calls fruit and this morning we're going to start something we're calling produce and over the course of the next three weeks what we're going to see is that for those of us who've made the decision to follow Jesus that our lives our conduct our thoughts the words that we say they should be defined in a certain way the fruit that we produce the fruit that our lives produce should look a certain way. But what's fascinating is what we naturally produce, the things that we naturally say, the choices that we naturally make, the thoughts that we naturally have, oftentimes fly contrary to the words that we should speak, the thoughts that we should think, and the things that we should do. And so we're going to see how as, Jesus, as people who follow Jesus, how this should radically change the way that we conduct our lives and how when we allow it to radically change how we conduct our lives, the byproduct that we have is something that will leave us all the more fulfilled than if we were just to follow our natural pursuits and do what we naturally would otherwise do. And so over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at two verses. We're really going to break down this idea and this concept. But, but here is, here's the heart of what we're going to be looking at. The fruit of the Spirit. So understand that at the moment you make the decision to follow Jesus, God gives you His Spirit. He comes and literally God dwells within you. And the fruit of that, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God dwelling inside of you and making you a brand new person, 
making you brand new in God's sight and giving you a whole new nature, making you pursue things you otherwise would never pursue, making you make choices you otherwise would never make, changing you at your core. This is what a relationship with Jesus is all about. It's changing us at our core of who we are. And, and here's, what, here's what we find. The fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy is peace, is patience, is kindness, is goodness, is faithfulness, is gentleness, is self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, we only have to look at ourselves and we only have to look at our society as a whole and see that these things are not, are not the norm. People long for these things. People desire these things. But we look at ourselves and we look at society and we see that these things are not the norm. This is not what we see when we look at our society. This is not oftentimes what we see when we look at ourselves. But this is what God wants for all of us. These are the things that should define us, define who we are. This is what we should discover and implement in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the first thing that we have to understand is this, that it all starts with love. It all starts with love. And so more so than anything else, as people who follow Jesus, when other people look at us, we need to be de defined as people by our love. And historically, we've done a really bad job at that. We've been defined as judgmental. We've been defined as argumentative. We've been defined as mad, as reactionary. And it's not just when, when people look at us who aren't, Jesus, who aren't people who follow Jesus, but Christians towards other Christians have been this way and they've acted this way. And, and no, no, no. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, what needs to define you is somebody who follows Jesus. The very first thing that should define you, the foundational block that you have in your life as somebody who follows Jesus, number one needs to be love the very essence and nature of god is love god demonstrates his love for us in this that while we when we rebelled against god when we all made choices that that we regret sometimes we don't even regret those choices but we should because they're going to bring heartache and they're going to bring pain and they're all things that the bible's called sin while we told god in spite of the fact that you created us we still think we know better than you and we're going to do things our way instead of your way in spite of all that god still loved us and he demonstrates his love for us that he came and he paid the price for my mistakes for my shortcomings and for my failings Love needs to be foundational because it is the very essence of God. And so if you claim to follow Jesus, but people look at you and don't think that you're loving, you've missed it. 
And if collectively, we as Restoration Church, people who are very clear that we love God and we strive to love others, but if people look at us and say, you aren't very loving, then collectively, we've missed it. This needs to be at the forefront of us individually, but also collectively as a church, that when people look at us more so than anything else, more so than anything else, that people look at us and say, these are people who love. They love God. They love each other. And they love me. This is the foundation. This is the building block. This is where it all starts. It all starts with love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Jesus said this to his disciples. He he said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By this, all people will know that you've made the decision to follow me. And the thing that he boils it all down to The thing that he says, everyone who looks at you will be able to tell that you love me is is by your love for one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That is the defining characteristic that Jesus said defines whether or not people will look at you and know whether or not you follow after me. It's not how much Bible you know. It's not how much time you spend praying. It's not what a great singer you are and you lead people in worship. No, no, no. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying any of those things, but I'm just telling you that the thing that Jesus said will characterize whether or not you follow after him is how you love. This is huge. We've all been called to love. This is why last week we didn't meet collectively, but we challenged you individually to use that time and to go show the love of Jesus to somebody in need. To do a project. To help somebody out. We've received reports that are so encouraging already. And if you haven't sent us yet what you were able to do, email us at info at restorecanton.com. Info at restorecanton.com because we're trying to, we're trying to catalog all of the reports that we've had. And, and if, if you weren't able to do it yet, it's, it's not too late. We would have loved for it to happen last week. But use some time this week and just go out and... It, Just express the love of Jesus to somebody in need. Help somebody out. We got reports of people who planted flowers for people, people who gardened for people, people who went and mowed people's grass, people who gave gifts to people. There's all kinds of things that we've received reports of, and we're so excited to share those reports with you. Why? Why do we do that? Because we want people to experience love. People experience enough darkness and depression and disaster that this world has to offer, and we see it daily. So what if we can be the antidote? What if we can counteract, just in our circle, what if we can counteract some of that? And instead, 
display love. To a people in a world that are so desperately in need. So let's make sure that as people who follow Jesus, that we're defined by our love. By our love for God. By our love for each other. By our love for all that we encounter. And this can be hard sometimes, because there are some class A jerks out there. And if we're not careful, what happens is when we encounter one of them, we, we allow that to, to begin to define how we look at everyone. But our challenge and our goal needs to be to rise above those rejections, to rise above those encounters with people who are just miserable. Just understand that they're just not in a good place. How they respond to you is a reflection of them more so than it is of you. And to keep love at the forefront of all that we do and all that we are. By this, people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. And so sometimes let's just agree to disagree. We don't have to see everything the same way. That's all right. We can agree to disagree. Let's not become disagreeable. And let's make sure that we value people. And that we are people who are defined by our love. And then it says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. So so we have the foundational block of love. And the next thing that that needs to be present in our lives when God takes over and when we allow God to work in and through us and change who we are, the next thing that we need is joy. When people look at our lives and they see the fruit of, of what we produce, they need to see love, but they also need to see joy. Listen, when love is our foundation, joy is constant. When love is your foundation, joy is constant. And so 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this, rejoice always. It says this, rejoice always. It doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. It doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. It doesn't mean you're never going to have any hard times. You're ever going to face any hardship. You're ever going to have to make choices and decisions that disappoint some people. It doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean in every situation Find joy. Be people who are joyful. Be a happy, joyful person. Now, some people who are, who are spiritual, they try, to, they, try to, they try to create this dichotomy between joy and happiness. And they try to, they try to mitigate happiness and they try to elevate joy. And, and it's, it, it becomes really difficult to, to understand. They, they, try to, they try to just draw these really dividing lines and these factors that there's a difference between happiness and joy, and they spend all this time differentiating between the two, but there's really no reason to. Are you a person who's full of joy? Are you somebody who's happy? 
Do you smile? Do you laugh? Do people, when they look at you, enjoy being around you because you're full of joy, because you're a happy person? And we're not saying that you have to, you have to walk through life just pretending that nothing bothers you. There are going to be seasons where life is just incredibly difficult and you deal with things that deliver crushing blows and you, you find yourself just, just asking, where, where is that joy? I've lost my smile. Where has it gone? And there are going to be times that this is a lot harder than other times. And, and similarly, there's going to be times where everything seems to be going great. And it feels like you can do no wrong. And you're walking on cloud nine. Embrace it. Experience joy. Experience happiness. And this is one of the factors that people who follow Jesus should have in their life, that you should be a person who is full of joy. You should be somebody who's happy. And so if you're somebody who loves and follows Jesus, but there's no joy in your life, and you're not a happy person, and you're miserable to be around, and your kids are running away from you, and the dog's running away from you, because even your dog doesn't want to be near you, you got to ask yourself some questions of what is going on in your life and have you missed it? And the crazy part about this is sometimes you're going to be the last person to know. So when people who love you enough are around you and they speak in your life and they say, there's, there's some things out of bounds here, you... You might need to look into this. When you're the last person to know, chances are you might lash out. You might re reject that a little bit. You might say, I don't have a problem. You, what's wrong with you? But the challenge is we need to be introspective and we need to say, they're probably on to something. Because we can be the last to know when our smile goes. And so as people who follow Jesus, I just want to ask you, are you full of joy? Are you happy? Can you laugh? Are you fun to be around? Or have you become a drainer? Where you're miserable and you're just, it's a chore to be around you because you're so miserable and it just sucks the energy out of the people around you and it sucks the energy out of the room. And listen, if you're going through a hard time, I understand that it's really hard right now. And you'd be like, well, what am I supposed to do? Just pretend that everything's okay? No. But understand that with the perspective of following Jesus, now is difficult. But now is not forever. And God has already guaranteed that whatever you're dealing with, the hardships that you're facing right now, they will merely last for a season. Because in the end, God wins, and those who follow him are victorious as well. So that doesn't mean you fake and you pretend and you're just like, everything's okay. No. But it does mean you don't lose perspective and you don't lose sight of joy.
The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. And it's peace. And so we need to, we need to embrace a peaceful life. We need to embrace a life of peace. Romans 12, 18 says it this way. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, this is the truth. You can't live at peace with everyone. You can't live at peace with everyone. but live at peace with everyone you can. You can't live at peace with everyone because some people are just miserable people. Some people just hate life. Some people are, are just, they're just, for whatever reason, they just do not want to get along with people. Maybe, maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you've got a coworker like that. Maybe you've got a neighbor like that. Maybe you've got a family member like that. There are just some people who do not want to get along with anyone. And they wake up every day and just try to figure out, how can I be the most miserable person I possibly can be today? There's no, there's no other explanation for them. They just wake up and they're miserable and it's miserable to be around them. And, and they don't want to get along with anybody. They actively look for ways to make people upset. There are people that, that are just like this. Draymond Green is this person. They just wake up and they just say, how can I make everyone in the world want to punch me in the face? And that is their end goal. And so there are going to be people in your life like Draymond Green. You're never going to be able to live peaceably with them. If you want to punch them in the face, go right ahead. No, it, you can't punch them in the face. But just understand there are going to be people in your life that you cannot live peaceably with. You just can't do it. And so what the standard is for us as people who follow Jesus is to live at peace with everybody that we can. If possible, so far as it depends on you, right? This is, this is like the parental advice that, that I would get from my mom when I was growing up. And I would be fighting with my sister. I'd be fighting with somebody else. It was never my fault. But, but I'd be fighting with my sister. And then my mom would walk in the room and say, stop it. And I'd be like, but she. And my mom would say, worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. As far as it's possible for you, worry about yourself. Live at peace with all. You can't live at peace with everyone, but live at peace with everyone you can. That is ultimately your responsibility. Not how somebody else responds. Your responsibility is what you're doing to make sure that the relationship is one of peace. If possible, so far as it depends on you. So basically, make sure somebody else is the problem and not you. Make sure that when there are relationships that you have that are not at peace, make sure it's not because of you, but it's because of the other person. 
but as far as it goes with you, that you're at peace. And you would welcome peace with that other person if they would strive for peace. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace. So I just want to ask you, is your life defined by love? In the words that you say? In the choices that you make? The things that you do? In the thoughts that you think? When people look at you as an individual, would they say that you're a person of love? Would they say that you're a loving person? That needs to be the foundation. And then we build. Do people think of you as happy? Are you a joy to be around? Do people get excited when they have the opportunity to spend time with you? Are you a taxing person who just drains the energy out of the room? Are you a drainer? Have you lost your joy? Has your smile abandoned you? Or are you somebody who's, who's fun to be around and loves to have fun? Are you happy? And then the last question I want to ask you is this. Are you at peace? Do you live a life of peace? Where you try to, try to get along with everybody that you can. Where as far as it depends on you, that you're diffusing situations. Not pushing them to escalate. That you're willing to cover over the faults of others. To forgive. That there can be peace. That you're willing to push your desires to the back seat. To elevate someone else's. See, when we look around the world, when we see the conduct of our coworkers and our neighbors, and we, we see those around us, what we all would readily agree on is that there isn't enough love. So as people who follow Jesus, let's be the antidote. And let's make sure that our lives are defined by love. As we'd look around the world, as we'd look around our neighbors, our coworkers, our society, we'd say there is not enough joy. Everybody's offended. Everybody's upset. Everybody just wants to fight always. So as people who follow Jesus, we need to be full of joy. We need to be happy. We need to smile. 
And as we look at the world around us, we see people who are at anything but peace. And as people who follow Jesus, we can have peace in any situation because we know that God is in control. And He loves us. So when people look at your life, when you look at your life, when people look at the things that you do and the words that you say, when you look at the things that you do when other people can't see you and the things that you say to almost no one or the thoughts that you think that you don't say to anyone, what is the fruit of your life? Because as people who follow Jesus, it should be love, it should be joy, and it should be peace. God, I pray that when people look at us, they would see that we are people who love. People who love you. People who love each other. People who love everyone we encounter. God, I pray that when people look at us, they would see joy. Not because we're delusional. Not because it's a facade. But because of our perspective. And because we allow you to go at work within us and change us. And God, I pray that we would be people who are defined by peace. That when the craziness of this world seems like everything's spiraling out of control, when we deal with people who are just angry and mad and miserable, we wouldn't let that define us. But instead, we'd be people who are at peace. So God, help us, because none of this is easy. All of this is hard. But it's all so fulfilling. So change us. We ask in your son Jesus' name.